We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Former downstate lawmaker Paul Schimpf says Illinois needs a governor who understands the day-to-day challenges that we all face. A governor who will live by the same rules the rest of us follow. And those are among the reasons why this Republican is a candidate for governor. This weekend, we'll get to know the former Marine and political hopeful Paul Schimpf. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend was the first Republican to jump into the race to unseat Democratic incumbent J.B. Pritzker. Paul Schimpf is a Marine Corps veteran. He made it as high as lieutenant colonel in the service. He served in Iraq and participated in the trial of Saddam Hussein. He's been a congressional staffer. He was the Republican nominee for Illinois Attorney General in 2014, losing to Lisa Madigan. He was elected to the Illinois Senate and served from 2017 until this year. And now he's running at what may be a growing Republican field for governor. Uh, We continue to be socially distant, and this interview is being conducted via Zoom conferencing. And Paul Schiff, welcome. Well, thank you, Craig, for having me on. I'm really uh, looking forward to our discussion today. As am I. And traditional first question in a campaign interview like this, uh, why do you want to be the governor of Illinois now as the state is struggling to recover from a global pandemic? Well, our, our state is struggling, but I think what is holding Illinois back is its government. It's not its people. It's not its resources. We have the talent and the ability for Illinois to be the greatest state in our country. I want to see that happen. And I think the thing that we need is a leader in the governor's mansion who can unite our state and find solutions to the problems that we face. I'm that, uh, I'm that candidate and I'm going to do what I, you know, what I can to bring Illinois back. Uh, you've served in the General Assembly and you should have a pretty good idea about what government can and can't do. Um, what could you do better? What could it do better? Well, I really think that we need a government that is going to uh, first uh, act responsibly and be a government that is above board and not corrupt. Uh, you know, we do have a problem with corruption in Illinois, and I think it's not just the corruption that is criminal, but it's also corruption when government is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. For instance, during the lame duck session, we passed legislation uh, in the dead of the night uh, in the Illinois Senate. The, uh, the criminal justice reform bill was passed at 4.45 in the morning. Uh, not very many people knew what was in that 
bill when it was voted on. The citizens of Illinois certainly had not had the opportunity to see what was in it. That to me is, is an example of corruption. It's not nothing criminal, but it's corruption in that a transparent process was not followed. So I think we need a government in Illinois that is responsible and non-corrupt. I think we also need an Illinois government that is going to provide for safe communities, protection for our veterans, our small businesses. And lastly, we need a government that is going to allow Illinois' economic growth through the free market. Uh, we have to have a government where, where people are able to grow their businesses and want to come to Illinois. I don't think we have that right now. That's something that I will make sure we do have in the future as governor. Is it the fault of the um, administration when people don't know what's in a bill and vote on it? Or is it the fault of the lawmakers? And, and also uh, on the crime bill, I know we've heard a lot of talk about that. And the sponsors say, we had hearing after hearing after hearing. And isn't that where everybody worked out their differences, where everybody got to know what was in that bill? Well, the hearings that they had were for a version of the bill that was fundamentally different than what was voted on at 445 in the morning. They were The reason it was voted on at 445 in the morning was because they were making changes overnight. And, you know, the final version of the bill that was presented to us was not something that was agreed upon until just before the vote. So, you know, the hearings that they had were on a fundamentally different bill. What we need is a process where we get to a final version and then the public and advocacy groups have the opportunity to take a look at what is in that bill and then make comment on it so that uh, so that uh, the legislators know exactly what they're voting on, whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. And while it is the, uh, the responsibility of the president of the Senate and the speaker of the Illinois House uh, to run their chambers as they, see, as they see fit, Governor Pritzker has a leadership responsibility to ensure that our government is transparent. One of the things that I will do differently when I am governor is I will say, look, on controversial legislation, that is not passed in a transparent manner, I will veto that legislation regardless of whether I agree with it or not, because the people of Illinois deserve a transparent process if they're going to have faith and confidence in their government. One of the biggest challenges we face in our state is the people of Illinois simply do not trust their government anymore. Governor Pritzker has a leadership responsibility to try to increase trust in government, and that is something that he has been failing on. What is it about your experience and your skills that uh, make you better suited for doing that kind of thing? Well, I am somebody that wherever I have been, whatever job I've done, I've been able to work with people across the political and social spectrum and find solutions. I identify problems and I try to solve those problems. When I was a prosecutor for the Marine Corps, I realized that sexual assault victims in the military were being re-victimized because there was a lack of privileged communications between victims and their victim advocates. Uh, so when I had the opportunity, I wrote a law review article calling for the establishment of a victim-victim advocate evidentiary privilege 
in the United States military. Uh, that article was published. It was, it was given awards and it was cited in treatises on military law for the need to establish this privilege. And it was eventually, that privilege was eventually established. The Uniform Code of Military Justice was changed. That's just one example of where I've been able to see a problem and I've been able to make a difference. You know, in the military, you have to be able to work with people from across the political and social spectrum. I've done that. I went at one point in my in my Marine Corps career, I went from working for a Republican member of Congress. I was doing a congressional fellowship and I handled all of his military issues, intellectual property issues, immigration issues. I was working for a Republican congressman. And then right after that tour of duty, I went to work in the Pentagon where I was working for an Obama administration political appointee on energy and environment issues. And in fact, I even moderated a panel discussion at the 2010 United Nations climate change negotiations. So uh, a lot of times people uh, that are running for office are career politicians. They may not have actually been in the real world or worked with people to find solutions. I'm somebody that has a biography outside of what I've done in the Illinois General Assembly. Um, you've talked a little bit already about the uh, responsible government part of your platform. Another one is safe communities. What do you feel will make communities safer? Um, uh, some people make it an, an equation of more guns versus fewer guns, stiffer sentences versus not stiffer. Where do you come down on those issues? Well, I think the first thing that we have to have is we have to have a governor who says that he is going to take responsibility. Uh, when I am governor, I am going to make it my personal responsibility and hold myself accountable if I cannot get the levels of violence down in our communities. Uh, so we do have to have, we do have to have uh, leadership out of our governor. I think we also have to have support for our law enforcement community. I think that no uh, no community is, is perfect. And I'm not saying that our law enforcement community is perfect. There's always room for improvement. But I think we do have to understand that uh, our law enforcement personnel in general represent what is best about uh, America and our state. And I think we need to support them 100%. But a number of uh, police officials, or not police, but more rank and file police officers um, feel that when there's talk of police reform, uh, uh, more oversight, that that is anti-police. Uh, do you see it that way, or is there some middle ground that, uh, that can be forged? Well, the reason I believe that a lot of our law enforcement feel that uh, that these discussions are anti-police is because when we've had these discussions in Illinois, they were excluded from the negotiating table. Uh, as we were working on the, uh, the criminal justice reform bill that was passed during the lame duck session, the law enforcement community was not included in those discussions. They didn't know uh, what was going on. You know, there, there were actions that were taken to make sure that they were not at the negotiating table. And I think that is why they feel threatened uh, by, you know, by these discussions. Uh, the law enforcement, the leaders of the law enforcement community will be the first ones that say, you know what, 
We are not perfect. Nobody is perfect. They want to do a better job uh, as much as anybody else does. But when we excluded them from this process, we passed this bill at 445 in the morning uh, without their input. Uh, they correctly were offended by that. And I think that, you know, if we, you know, if we recognize that our law enforcement leadership are important stakeholders and we involve them uh, in the discussions, we can uh, improve law enforcement in Illinois. I, I want to turn to uh, economic uh, issues here, at least as your, pla as your platform uh, delineates them. Uh, economic growth through the free market. Uh, how do you make sure all elements of society are included in that as this state, if it, if it is to grow, then does it, how does, how do you make sure everybody grows with it? Well, we certainly have to make sure that there is, that there is outreach uh, to all the different communities in Illinois. I think that that is something uh, that our state is doing a fairly decent job of right now. I know that I've sat on uh, some of the committee hearings uh, where we're looking at uh, supplier diversity. Uh, I think the state of Illinois is, uh, is working hard on that. I think that what we can do to have economic growth is we need to make sure that the state of Illinois is not getting in the way and giving people the opportunity to grow their businesses. Uh, one of the things that I got to do as a Illinois state senator that I really enjoyed because there was a lot of there was a lot of collaboration. There wasn't as much partisanship as you normally see is I was on the Joint Committee for Administrative Rules for two years. And as a senator on that committee, I got to see just how many administrative rules the, uh, the agencies in the state of Illinois were, were passing. And it's those administrative rules that are truly stifling a lot of our economic opportunities. Uh, so people ask me, they say, well, you know, Paul, when you're governor, you may not have uh, control of the Illinois House or the Illinois Senate. What can you really do? And my response is, we can make a difference just by trying to pare back some of these administrative regulations that have been choking businesses out in the state of Illinois. How do you assure people that um, who may think of those administrative rules as protection for from uh, pollution or, uh, you know, exploitation of workers or anything? Uh, how do you assure them that their interests will also be met? Well, those I'm not talking about uh, repealing rules that make that make us unsafe. I'm talking about repealing rules where you've had unelected bureaucrats who have gone well beyond their statutory authority to put in place requirements that make it difficult to do business in Illinois. Uh, so I, you know, I'm not just going to say any any administrative rule needs to be tossed out. We are going to do you know a careful consideration and, and look at stuff. But I think it is. I think it is important, and this is really kind of a, a threshold question, uh, you know, we need to address the role of the administrative state in our government. Uh, the, you know, the reality is you have uh, administrative agencies that are going beyond the mandates that, they, that they've been given by the Illinois General Assembly. You know, many of the debates that we had on JCAR were, were where I would say, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with this, but this is a rule that should be made or this is a policy change that should be made by the Illinois legislature, not an unelected state official who's not accounted to anybody. 
you know, really for, for us to have trust in government and believe in government, we need to know that our laws are being made by people who are accessible and accountable to the voters. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and my guest is Paul Schimpf, Republican candidate for governor. I do want to move on to uh, what has been topic A for much of the last year, and that is COVID-19. Um, uh, assess the job that Governor J.B. Pritzker has done in taking the state through this pandemic. Well, I believe that Governor Pritzker has been a failure on the, uh, on the pandemic front. Uh, he started off, I think a lot of us, especially those of us that were in the General Assembly, were supportive of him when he initially, uh, initially responded. And uh, we understood the need for, a, for that initial shutdown because we were worried that we were going to have our medical capacities overrun. But really, I think since then, I think Governor Pritzker has made some serious mistakes. I think he has uh, divided our state. I don't think he has made us really any more safe with his actions. And really, the three things that I would have done differently is, first of all, I would have, I would have involved the Illinois General Assembly as a partner in this process. I think uh, oversight from the legislature is a good thing, not a bad thing. I would not have, I would not have just made you know my uh, you know my agents, my administration officials available. I also would have insisted, you know, that we have hearings where oversight could be given. Uh, one of the things that I say uh, quite frequently is that the truth is not afraid of transparency. And I really think that we would have had a much better response to the pandemic if Governor Pritzker had partnered with the Illinois General Assembly rather than simply going it alone. That's one thing that I would have done differently than Governor Pritzker. The other thing uh, which he did, which I thought uh, hurt him very much and really undermined a lot of the uh, response uh, that he had to the pandemic was he simply did not follow the rules that he was setting for us. I think the best example of that is, you know, he had a press conference in early November where he said, avoid crowds. He didn't say avoid crowds unless you're outside or avoid crowds unless you're wearing a mask. He and Dr. Azike said flat out, you know, this is dangerous, you need to avoid crowds. And then the very next day he was out in Boys Town with a throng of people celebrating the election of President Biden. Uh, Governor Pritzker simply has not, uh, he has not followed his own rules that he's been setting. And that really uh, undermined the confidence of the people of Illinois in his leadership. The last thing that I would have questions about with Governor Pritzker is, I'm afraid that Governor Pritzker simply did not understand the science. Uh, in July, he announced a mitigation plan that was based on the metric of the positivity rate. And at the very press conference where Governor Pritzker announced this mitigation plan that was predicated on the positivity rate, he answered a question about Missouri having a higher positivity rate than Illinois. And it was clear that he didn't understand what positivity rate was. He thought that the positivity rate was simply the percentage of the public that is infected with COVID. You don't have to take my word for that. You can go back and listen to the transcript of that July 15th press conference. But Governor Pritzker obviously did not understand the science, and I don't think he asked the difficult questions of the experts. 
One of the things that you have to have as a leader is the willingness to ask questions. If you look back at our history, we've had our experts that have said Iraq had weapons of mass destruction in 2003. Then when I was working in the Pentagon, the, the, uh, the scientists said that because of climate change, the Arctic Ocean would be ice-free by 2013. That clearly didn't happen either. We do need leaders. Uh, we need governors who are going to ask the tough questions. And I don't think Governor Pritzker has done that. There are still people who feel wearing face masks and social distancing or political positions rather than uh, issues of health. Um, where do you stand on those kinds of things? Well, I've been, I've been wearing a mask uh, really since the beginning of March. Uh, that was well before the governor uh, gave an order on that. Uh, you know, the reason I will wear a mask when I'm out at, at the store is I had seen studies that indicated that masks would, uh, would reduce the dosage uh, that you might be exposed. And the reduction of the exposure dosage has been linked to the severity of the COVID symptoms. So I'm not anti-mask. Uh, I voted against mask mandates in JCAR because uh, what Governor Pritzker was doing was, you know, as I said earlier, he was uh, not partnering with the Illinois General Assembly. A lot of times people that are proponents of the mask mandates say, oh, well, this is just like seatbelt laws or, or child, uh, child safety seat laws. And my response is, well, you're missing, you know, you're missing the obvious because when we talk about seatbelt laws, we are talking about seatbelt laws. Uh, when you're talking about a mask mandate, that should come from the General Assembly. And the General Assembly was in session for a lame duck session. You know, that could have been put to the General Assembly for a vote. Uh, you know, it's funny, I had had a discussion with Governor Pritzker at one point, you know, where we talked about the mask mandates. And I said, it needs to come through the Illinois General Assembly. That's how our government is supposed to work. And his response at the time was, well, it's too difficult to get the Illinois General Assembly in. Well, during the lame duck session, you know, we did have the Illinois General Assembly in session. That could have been done the proper way. It should have been done through the legislature. I want to uh, ask one more economic question before I get into some more political stuff. Uh, and that is Illinois' losing population and many say losing jobs. How does that part? Now, we've talked about the regulate, regulatory part of this. How do you get the jobs back? Is it just a matter of letting businesses um, operate, you know, more freely? Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad you asked that question, Craig, because the the fact that we are losing population is, I think, the key metric more so than than unemployment rate or GDP growth. Uh, it's population growth that is the key metric to tell whether our state is healthy, whether our state is on the road to recovery. And between July of 2019 and July of 2020, Illinois lost nearly 80,000 people. That was a net population loss of nearly 80,000 people. And one of the things that I thought Governor Pritzker failed terribly on was he did not mention that statistic once during his state of the state address that he that he gave in February. To me, that is the that is the most important metric. And if Governor Pritzker is going to truly level with the people of Illinois, he should have at least put that on the table during the uh, during the state of the state address. 
The reason it is such an important metric is simply unless we have people wanting to come to Illinois to grow their businesses and raise their families, we are never going to be able to solve any of the challenges that we face, whether it's funding our, our, our K through PK through 12 schools, whether it's getting our government solvent again, we cannot solve any of those challenges unless people wanna to come to Illinois. We need to be growing the, uh, the population of our state. And the reason that people are leaving Illinois, I believe is because they are not seeing anything different. Uh, the people of Illinois no longer trust their government, and they've seen for the past three decades that our state is doing nothing but increasing spending and increasing taxes, and we're not doing anything to address our long-term fiscal solvency. And it's really that recognition that nothing has changed, that nothing is changing, is why I believe people are leaving Illinois. I believe once we once we have a change in leadership of our state, once we realize that we have a responsible government uh, where we're going to bring our our people together to solve our problems uh, problems, and we're going to start uh, trying to offer people solutions, that's when I think people are going to say, you know what, Illinois has so much talent and potential, and they're changing their you know the government is making a change. I'm going to either stay in Illinois or I'm going to come to Illinois. I have to turn a little bit to pure politics. You're a Republican uh, candidate, and right now the Republican Party seems a bit fractured. Uh, there are some in Illinois who still see former President Donald Trump as the spiritual leader of the GOP and that there's no future without him. Others like Congressman Adam Kinzinger feel, especially after January 6th, uh, siege on the Capitol that the party needs to turn away from him. Do you take a side on this uh, this issue? Well, you know, when you're interviewing somebody that has a, uh, you know, that was in the military for 24 years, you're going to get either a military quote or a military analogy whenever you do that. that I'm interview. okay with that. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, my response is to quote uh, former Secretary of Defense uh, Donald Rumsfeld, who at one point, you know, when he was asked about you know, problems that the U.S. military had prior to the invasion of Iraq, I think his quote was, you go to war with the army that you have, not the army that you want. And my response to the uh, to the people that have questions about, you know, they're mad that the uh, either the Republican Party is, you know, not Trumpish enough or they want more Donald Trump is, you know, I say, look, the Republican Party, you may be frustrated with it, but it is the vehicle that we have to enact positive change in Illinois. We as Republicans need to be talking about what we stand for in giving the people of Illinois a positive vision for our state. My positive vision is that we are, you know, the Illinois Republican Party needs to stand for responsible, non-corrupt government, safety for our communities, and economic growth through the free market. I think if we talk about those issues and talk about how we're going to make people's lives better, that is our pathway to turning our state around. I don't think it's helpful to be arguing about the past. You uh, have made a clear case of uh, distinction between yourself and Governor Pritzker. How do you delineate yourself from the other Republicans in the race? Well, one of the things that I've been that I've been talking about with Republicans all through the state is that 
this Republican primary is like a high school basketball tryout in that we are all on the same team. We are just trying to figure out who's got the best skill set to be the uh, to be the starting point guard. Uh, I did ask somebody did ask me a question about how my jump shot was, and I had to admit that when I played basketball in, in junior high, I, I rode the bench. Uh, but I think to win in Illinois, uh, the first thing that you have to do is you have to be able to reunite our badly fractured Republican Party. Uh, you know, enough of the uh, enough of the infighting. You know, we need somebody that has a pragmatic conservative record uh, who, you know, who can unite our, our party. Uh, the second thing that you have to do as a Republican to win in Illinois and beat J.B. Pritzker is you have to offer the people of Illinois a contrast between yourself and Governor Pritzker. And I'm not just talking about a policy contrast, I'm talking about a life story contrast where you can say, look, you know, while, uh, you know, while Governor Pritzker was, you know, hiding his immense financial assets overseas, I was overseas getting, you know, receiving indirect fire while I was working the Saddam Hussein trial. And that's going to be the final word. We are way out of time. <laughs> I would like to thank Republican candidate for Governor Paul Schimpf for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMNewsRadio.com. And you'll also find our podcasts on Odyssey.com. Yeah, that's new. A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue and I'll... Hope you will be with us. Well, until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. 